Welcome to the Kingdom Mandate. Join us each Saturday as we share empowering and equipping messages that reflect on the Kingdom of God according to His sovereign will for mankind to remain in His covenant order. Get your clarion call and follow us on Blog Talk Radio, Kingdom Empowerment, Inc. Jesus the Christ, we say. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So as we know, Bathsheba is mentioned many times in the Holy Bible. And one of the most um, serious players of the coming forth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, So we want to talk about it and we want to look at how in today's society she maybe would have been perceived as being strange. But uh, the Lord counted her and saw her differently. So let's go ahead and start reading the Word of God. Um, I'm coming out of 2 Samuel 11, out of the Authorized King James Version. And and I'm reading from verse 1. And it said, It came to pass after the year was expired, at that time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass, and in, in even in tide, that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after that woman, and one said, Is it not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanliness. And she returned unto her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not down to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not for thy journey? Why then thou uh, then didst thou not go down unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark in Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go into mine house and to, uh, to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife as thou livest as they, as that as thy soul liveth, and when I will not do this thing, and David said to Uriah, "Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart." So Uriah by, abode in Jerusalem that day and and morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drink, and at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. 
and he wrote in the letter saying, "Ye Uriah in forefront in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die." And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah into a place where he knew the, that valiant men were. were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David and Uriah the Hittite did died also. And Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if ye be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city where when ye did, did fight? Know ye not they would, would uh, shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Je- Jerobesheth? Did not the woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall, and he died in, in Thebes? Why went ye nigh to the wall? Then uh, say thou, Thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and shewed David all that Job had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out, uh, came out unto us into the field, and we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooter shot from before from off the wall upon the servants, and some of the king's servants be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoured one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I'm going to stop there for now. We're going to talk about um, the beginnings of Bathsheba and David's relationship, and then we'll go into Second Samuel 12 and look into it further as well what happened but let's let's just look at this first part when uh, David has seen Bathsheba uh, and he's looking from his house into another house and he's looking at another woman that belongs to another man let's talk about that <clears throat> uh, Minister Gloria please share your thoughts well you know, he was supposed to be at war. His people were at war. And uh, here he is. He stayed behind. And um, he's looking out. Oh, you know, he's looking out what seems uh, just over the land. And it, it seems like an innocent enough thing. She happens to be there bathing. And uh, but one thing leads to another. And uh, his sinful nature sets in. And. Uh, it starts to uh, put into action uh, certain things that should not have happened. And so now uh, she becomes really his victim. Uh, It's not that she was doing anything wrong. 
Um, she's kind of uh, taken into a situation that he creates. So at this point, I don't think that she is uh, has done anything wrong, um, uh, but rather he's he's in the wrong. Amen. Amen. And um, Minister uh, Belinda, please share uh, what the Lord has given you in that area. Well, like Sister Gloria was saying, I mean, he got up and he was at nighttime. You know, all of us can get up at night, you know, can't sleep. Might go outside if you have a balcony or whatever, look out. And then see something you shouldn't be seeing. But, you know, I don't think that's a sin. I think when you continue to look at it, you can always turn your head from it. You know, David could have turned his eyes from Bathsheba, but he continued to look at her. And if you, you you know, uh, we say this all the time about your gateways. One of, one of them is your eyes. If you keep on looking on something that's not right, after a while you're going to, Start the the flesh. The enemy is going to talk to the flesh. You know, he says out of the the flesh comes murdering. You know, lying, all of that stuff, adultery, fornication. So I mean, when he kept looking, then the then thoughts came, and he he stepped out on those thoughts and slept with another man's wife. And anytime you know you walk. You keep opening more doors, uh, and uh, the consequence of that was she became pregnant. Then he tried to, you know, have his, her husband come to sleep with her, and that doesn't work out. So then he puts him out there and the, uh, tell him to put him out there in the front line, in the most heated area of the war. Why was he doing that? He wanted the man to die. And now his uh, adultery turns into murder. And he still doesn't correct himself. He still tries to hide. You know, he has to lie to hide what he's done. You know, let her mourn and then bring her in this way. Nobody knows that she's pregnant. And uh, nobody will know that he's the father. But yet, when he did that, you know, he's still trying to correct something. But you can't correct something that's wrong with more wrongs. And then, uh, but God sees it all. God was not pleased with it. And okay. as far as Bathsheba, as far as Bathsheba, I often thought about that too. I said, well, Lord, she knew that what David was asking her was wrong. She was married. You know, she had to know sleep with another man is wrong when you're married. And could she have said no today? Not to. I'm I'm just curious. And, you know, women really didn't have that much of a say in those days. So it was like that when they often to certain circumstances, they were just in that. And um, it's either if she would have resisted what could have been a repercussion, you know, that's, there's a whole many things to think about in this. Um, you know, she's uh, 
I mean, he, he, it's not like he went and grabbed her himself. He brought her there through other people, number one. They knew that he had brought her there. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, she's not going to be able to run out of that door that easily. Um, you know, so I, I, he's passionate and y'all really yeah, love him. Yeah, I'm just saying, I, yeah, oh, he brought her there. Uh, he brought mm-hmm. her there, but when the act was to take place, you know, he brought her into deception. But when the deception became real, you know, and I know that he was king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I uh, yeah, because I, I, authority. Yeah. Man. Yeah, because um, you think, uh, you know, that, I've heard people you say that. that, too, that um, you notice that, too, after it was, you know, it's a common thing because of the Levitical laws for them to bathe uh, in a certain way for purity. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Um, so she is bathing, um, you know, because it says specifically that she had reached purity. Um, so uh-huh. it's after her menstruation uh, cycle, uh-huh. um, she's performing this ritual type of bath on top uh-huh. of the roof, uh, which is common that people bathe in, in on the roof at that time. Um, uh-huh. But um, I, you know, whether she had any right uh, to. You know, based on the 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 ways that things were, you know, if you looked at, you know, Queen Esther, she was brought there. Mm-hmm. She want to. The question is, did she want to marry the king, or or did she not want to? I don't think it was a choice because they were going and grabbing everyone in the kingdom that could be, you know, favorable to the king. You understand right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So he right. he her. I think at that time she knew that that she was under submission at that point when they came and took her. Um, Uh But him acting as a leader in authority and observing Uh his authority in such a way, um, again, there's so many acts that he performed that wasn't favorable in the eyes of the Lord. But the whole point is, is like you said, he, he, he looked. His outer gates were were activated, and instead of him mm-hmm. shutting it down, he yeah. allowed it to feed off into his emotions, and it drove mm-hmm. him to, into into his spirit, and he yeah. acted it out. That's where the sin, that's where the mm-hmm. sin lies, um, because there was an opportunity yeah. when he bounced to to mm-hmm. in, in what the spirit. You know, there was an Mm -hmm. opportunity to change. But then we also have to look at the fact of this. Out of all of his wives, they were pretty much given to him. Not one of them was one that he really favored, that he, Mm -hmm. uh, like like with uh, Jacob and and Rebecca, it's like Jacob, he wanted wanted Rebecca for sure. That's all he wanted. So Mm -hmm. uh, here he is, he's seeing someone that he wants. And someone that he is like he he desires, and he mm-hmm. could have had anyone in the kingdom, but he took, he protects of a um, one that is married. And yeah, see, that's what I'm saying because he had the choice for all kinds of women, 
and stuff, but that was somebody's life. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and even like when you said Esther, but yet Esther, even in though she was, you know, they went and got the fairest women of the, that community, and the latter part, she had to make a decision to save her people, and she was not supposed to come before that king without him calling her. You see? But yet she does it. So I'm just making this, 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 this thing. Because sometimes I think on, uh, even back then, even though the, the king was a king, mm-hmm. and could not a person just utter, this is wrong, you know, uh, or say, because there's so many women even now today do uh, traditions and customs and all of this bondage, you know, the lack of human rights for women. But mm-hmm. doesn't God give us the ultimate freedom? Even, you know, at times you may be put in a position of pure bondage. Uh, you can look mm-hmm. at people in Cambodia when they were killed in the killer fields. Uh, you look at the Holocaust people. There are people that die because they refused to do something, but they chose the latter, you know, of dying for what's right and participating in something that's wrong. You know, there were mm-hmm. people that hid Jews, knowing it could be a death that some of them were killed because mm-hmm. when they found out, they killed them or put them in the, mm-hmm. you know, concentration camps too. Yeah, and then you, you would know, choose, you know. It makes you. you know what? I'm just saying. Making, I think you're making a good point, but what happens when the woman is behind the door and she refuses? But you know, uh, force. She comes still in. gets. Yeah, they, she steals. You know, I'm just saying that even if they do, the human being still has the right to let them know it's wrong. What you're yeah. doing is wrong. You know, I, and I'm not like when women get gang raped, you know, mm-hmm. and she can't get away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know? and let's, look at, let's look at this key point here, too, but I want to uh, allow also to Sister Jacqueline to interject. But let's look at okay. this point, too. You know, look at the fact afterwards, after the the husband has died, he goes and sends for her to come in to be his wife. Did she have a choice? You see, the cultural difference. Um, no, I don't think she did because of his authority, he was the king. Yeah, she didn't have a choice. So it's the mm-hmm. same thing when she was brought there. It's pretty much like there was no choice. It's like, you you're going to be mine because I'm the king, and no one mm-hmm. was going to. And back then, women the didn't have the opportunity <laughs> of support without a man. It's some places right now, it, uh, a woman without a husband is hard to make have uh, be able to take care of kids. Uh, so I mean, you look at that too. You know, how was she mm-hmm. to live if she, you know, and she had no choice, as you say. So. No, but pretty much not. And and um, also too, when you look at uh, like when he brought her there, it was like, you know, 
she conceived a child after the fact, and he knew that yeah. if he did not let Uriah go, that he, there was going to be repercussion, there was going to be sincere problems. So he wanted to fix the situation himself. And we mm-hmm. find that happens a lot of times even now, today, that people mm-hmm. want to fix situations instead of uh, allowing what happened to uh, you know, be made known and 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 uh, rectify the situation appropriately. Um, maybe yeah. a lot of people, you know, are going out and killing people. A lot of people are going out and uh, committing a, a other crimes to prevent people from knowing uh, the truth. And they cover it up. And that's exactly what uh, David is doing. He's co- trying to cover the situation up, but in the midst of it, he's making it worse. But yeah. also, again, I want to look at the fact he was he was in such a mode of lusting till he went to the extent to grab this other woman because he asked, who was she? And they told him, is this, this not uh, Uriah's wife? They mm-hmm. told him that. Okay. So it was a clear understanding. So he observed his authority there, and then he observed his authority with Job. Job also would not go contrary to his authority, even though yep. the Job knew that it was wrong. Um, Sister Jacqueline, please share what the Lord have given you in this. When I, when I was reading it and, and just from listening to um, um, Minister Gloria and Minister Belinda, you know, we no one no one knows for sure. You know what um, the position was or what um, Bathsheba could have been thinking, but you all have brought up such great points um, with with what could have been. Because all we can do is speculate. But um, I think that we must look at and take into account the things that God did take the time to show us and and to reveal to us that He did put in writing that um, Bathsheba, she was in her home taking a bath, minding her business. Like you said, it was probably a normal ritual after her menstrual had gone off. She's cleaning herself up. That's a normal thing. But David, first of all, being out of order, when you're out of of the order of, of, I'm not going to necessarily say the will of God in that particular incident because I guess he's a king. He had a choice that he could make go to war, or stay home. And that was the ideal opportunity to kind of, you know, because nothing happens by happenstance. You know, he he had put himself in a position where the enemy can now work on him and take advantage of where he was because being at home, when you're at war, there is no contact with women. But when you're home, you have the opportunity to think about things of that nature and to see and, and put place eyes on this beautiful woman, because the Bible clearly says, and it talks about the fact that David was also a, a handsome man. She was a beautiful woman. So in, um, Dr. Johnny made a good point about um, saying that that was the one thing that maybe he wanted, you know, because all, every other wife was given to him. But now he can see somebody that he could say, you know, she's beautiful to me. And, I, and he took it even a step further. I want her. So he knew, they all said to him, that's Uriah's wife. You know, she's the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. She was this man's wife. But it didn't stop him from giving the order to bring her there. 
And as far as her, you know, of course maybe she could have said, you know, this was wrong or what have you, but at that very moment he had already known she was this man's wife and he still yet sent for her. Like he took her. She was taken to the king. So they all knew that the request was made. So there was really no turning back. And up until she gets there, maybe he could have just wanted, you know, to ask a question. You know, there was no need for alarm to not to go because who knows what he wanted. But when she, when he got when she got there and it became evident that he wanted to know her in that way, what do you do? This is the king. Yeah, I'm this I'm this man's wife, but this is the king. You know, he's in control of everything. And they were not of the God of Israel was not, so to speak, their God. They were just honoring the men of God that were in authority. So they didn't really have the relationship with God to say, okay, this is this is not of God. This is not godly. But all they know and they can relate to the fact that she, you know, he's the king. And so the, the onus is on David all the while because he has allowed his, his the Bible says we're drawn away by the lust of our own flesh. He allowed all of the, his flesh to rise up over his spirit man and to take control, and it took him to one extent, to another extent, that he didn't just do adultery, then he went to perform murder, and before the, the actual murder, the cover-up, you know, trying to get the man drunk so he could go in with his wife, and all the while he would have still had been to having to live with this secret that this woman was pregnant and carrying his child and not the man who she's married to child. So it was a whole lot of deception and stuff going on, but ultimately him being the king and he having the right relationship that he had had with God should have done better because he, of course, knew better, but he didn't do better. And instead, when he got caught up in all of his his flesh and that kind of madness, it escalated because when you're when you're in things, you know, I mean, I, I've been in sin in my life. I've made mistakes. And you don't think because you're already caught up and you're in it. You're not your 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 ability to think rationally at that point has gone out the window when you first of all made the choice to do the wrong that you knew was to be wrong. So all of his rationale was just completely just gone and he and it just escalated and he let it go further and further and further and build up. And you know, we've all seen the um crimes of passion where people are trying to keep secrets so they kill people. You know, it's wrong. It's wrong to do that. Just own up. It's easier to save a life and, you know, and just say, hey, I did wrong. But when it came to David, when Nathan came to David, I'm just stepping up a little further. When it was all said and done, it came crashing down on him. He did repent. He did repent. He didn't try to justify it at that point. All the while, he was justifying it in his mind, and God is seeing all of this. And that's why it's a volume to the fact that David could call God could call David a man after his own heart in spite of all of the things that he had done here, that which was evident. God saw it all. But when the moment came when David was brought back to his senses and it took that story that Nathan gave to him and told him, you took from this man, you know, who was honorable, you took from him to have your own way in your selfish act, he, he, he repented. He repented. He, he repented because he was like, wow, I did that. But it's amazing that he never even stopped to realize that he was that man. When the story was being told, he was still caught up. He was still, you know, his flesh had still, he had not yet come into the fact that, you know, I just did a wrong. He was already so far in it that when the story came, he was even more furious because he knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong when he did it. But yet still, Mm -hmm. 
the head with the axe. And when uh, Nathan brought it to his attention, he, he immediately repented because he knew it was wrong and it had to be brought to him in that way so he could see it because he was already, he was too far in it, so to speak. But in it. This is this is so true, and we're getting ready to go off into that about um, Nathan uh, coming to David. And I think it's very important to understand that even though he, he repented, it didn't stop um, what he had or what he had spoken out himself as a um, a remedy for what he had done. Uh, it still came out through his generation. So yeah. we're going to read about this. Um, so it's very important that when we're making choices and think we can go and repent, it doesn't mean that there will not be anything that comes behind it that, that will and, affect our generations. So we have to be very, very conscious, cautious and conscientious, you know, about what we think and what we do. Um, so Second Samuel, Chapter 12, I'm reading from verse 1 because this is, this is so very important to get this, that what God is, how God looked at this situation himself and how he perceived Bathsheba in this situation. It says, verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich the one, and the one other and the other poor. This is how God is perceiving this. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb. That's how he's seeing Bathsheba, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him. He had paid the bride's price for Bathsheba, and he took care of her, and he nourished her up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. Look at that. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, this is, he's given his own sentence, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done these things shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. But see, David is not realizing he's his own sin yet still in this. He's not picking it up in those verses. But then he goes on, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee 
such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the, of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house. Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus says the Lord, because I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. How be it? Because by this deed that thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee, shall surely die. And Nathan deported into his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David. And it was very sick, and David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he went not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David feared to, to, to tell him that the child was dead. And they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself? If we tell him that the child is dead, and, and then it says, But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, which thing is this that thou hast done, that, that thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive? But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and weep, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead, wherefore shall I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him but he shall not return to me. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son. And she called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he said, and he sent by the name of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedediah because of the Lord. And Joab fasted. I'm sorry, Joab fought against Rabbah. Uh, I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there, and we'll we'll continue on um, with our discussion. Let's go back to the part where Nathan is speaking to David, 
And the Lord is bringing so much out of this of what he is seeing, um, how David acted out and and what he did that was so uh, not righteous in the eyes of God. Uh, Let's start with uh, Minister Gloria. You know, this all takes us back to that moment of the sin, the crucial moment of the sin. Um, It's not like David didn't know the Lord in that moment. And yet there he was on the roof, uh, and he allowed the flesh to just take over, forgetting how much was in the balance. You know, how much had gone on in the life, in his own life, how much may have gone on in the life of this woman or who she was. He didn't really know her, but he didn't take any of that into account. And how much would be in the balance for the future? He was a king, and he had a lot to be accountable for. You know, there's a fine line for him in terms of what he does and doesn't do and uh, what he opens the doors to uh, through his actions and through the laws that he uh, would, the the rulings that he would declare. You know, there was just... uh, for him to be so reckless, for lack of a better word, to be so reckless in that moment of uh, this decision, um, he really let a lot uh, to be put on the line there. And just, um, it's not like he didn't know the Lord, uh, that he didn't know the grace of God on his own life. And how carefully he needed to be because he was accountable for so much. And so now we look forward and we're looking at uh, the declarations of what the Lord is saying through this prophet Nathan. And the Lord tells this, uh, you know, it's like a a little story that he tells about this little lamb and how uh, uh, the poor man had just one lamb and the rich one had all a lot more than that and wasn't willing uh, to give something of his own. And he's being, David, uh, David is being judged here by, by the Lord God. Uh, and really what God is saying is uh, the Lord knew what belonged to Uriah. The Lord is taking account of what belonged, what uh, what was rightfully Uriah's that had been taken from him. And then the Lord is showing also David's heart, how he was selfish in all of this. And yet, God is also reminding David of how much grace he had bestowed on him. He had given him so much. Why didn't he just take one of the women that God had already given him? Uh, why did he have to do this to Uriah? Uh, so the Lord is really speaking out. You know, Uriah is dead now, but uh, the Lord is speaking out for Uriah. He's defending Uriah's position here. Uh, and how in that reckless moment, David had compromised not only uh, what God had given him, but he had uh, compromised everything that had belonged to Uriah. Um I also want to mention here, you know, we had been talking a little earlier about Bathsheba. 
and um, her decision uh, afterward that um, it was mentioned that she was carrying a child. You know, once she became pregnant, it, it wasn't just that she was pregnant, but now she was carrying an heir to the throne. So I think for her that also may have added uh, another element to it from the very moment that she conceived. Now she was she was uh, dealing with a an issue that most women don't deal with when they become pregnant. So uh, we would have to look at her behaviors uh, in this story from that moment on and include that um, that aspect of it. Because I think a lot of her decisions going forward from that from that moment uh, has to take that into account. Amen. Yes, I totally agree with you. And um, one of the things I want to point out here, when we're talking about a ewe lamb, that that's according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, and, and you know we can also go into the Greek, but it's pretty much the same. Um, as it is in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, where it's it's a young, usually unweaned female sheep, meaning that um, she's taken from her family in her very innocent stages, um, and everything that she have learned is from the husband. Everything that she have, you know, because remember she had her mourning stage. So it wasn't that she didn't love her husband. Um, She definitely had uh, a connection with him, and he had taken care of her. He had, you know, brought her up from her, this young stage of being unweaned from her family. Um, And and she's, she's young in her stages. She's not like someone who is well developed and have a sound understanding of what she's going off into, she's she's young. And so um, the other thing is that he was poor, David was rich. Um, Again, David was taking advantage of the situation. She's a little ewe lamb, and he had bought her up and nourished her, and she grew up together with him and, and with his children. Okay, with his children. And it says, it did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup. That means that, you know, in some cultures when um, a man take his hand and feed the woman in the mouth and and she drinks from his cup, it's it's, uh, like love, deep love, penetrated love there. They eat from the same bowl. They're eating from the same, drinking from the same cup. Um, In some cultures, that's symbolic of a deep love, and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Um, So this is a serious matter in the eyes of God, and he's coming in here and he's taken from somebody else's flock, taken, um, you know, not even considering that he has plenty there, in other words, where the Lord has reminded him of what he had. He had uh, already Saul's house, Saul's, uh, you know, wives. He had 
so much there that in abundance. But thinking about this very, very well now, David, again, he never had anyone that he wanted himself or that he lusted for himself. Everything was given to him, and he it wasn't something that he really went after, like uh, Saul's wife. Um, you know, the other wives that he had. It, it wasn't something that he went after. It's like this one, he was in a, a charged emotional state. Um, it, it, it was, she was becoming to him, but again, it was lust. It wasn't that he wanted was pursuing her as someone that he wanted to marry, that he was going to take his time with. It was based on the fact of what he saw with his eyes and there are so many people now, not just men, but we look talking about women too, that are acting based on, on their outer gates, what they see, what they smell, what they taste, what they hear, and not being conscious, take, making a conscious effort of saying, is this of God? Is this not of God? And not allowing the emotions to drive them to commit a sin or to commit an act of sin. Um, Minister Belinda, let's continue the conversation. What uh, would you like to say? Well, you know, uh, you're right, all of y'all, as far as, because when God says that she was young, and she she didn't know, she didn't have that, that uh, maturity, and he had the more. And especially when God says that, he gave him all of that. He says, didn't I give you all of this? But yet there's a key in that. And verse 27, he says, and when the morning, uh, let me see, wait a minute. Let me get that scripture in. Okay. I just seen it and I lost it. But God was saying to David, he said, I gave you all of Saul's kingdom. If that wasn't enough, he was telling him if that wasn't enough, he still could have gotten more. God would have given him even more if he had inquired and asked. Because he had the knowledge and God broke it down to David. You know, and that this young girl had been raised up amongst them, and like a daughter. The 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 sincerity of it, the importance of her. But you chose to to take something that didn't belong to you. You had all this available to you, and when you say that David didn't have, see, then God connected that piece. He said, if that wasn't enough. He would have given him more. David could have went to God and said, Lord, that's Uriah's wife and she's beautiful. Could you give me something like Bathsheba? Instead of going after her, he could have turned that to God and asked God for more. I'm trying to find that verse that you you read. Okay, I'm going to find it. 
I found it here. Uh, okay. I think it's verse 8. Verse uh, 7 uh, so. through. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Naaman said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Now you talk about how long did David have to run from Saul? How many times did God keep David? He's reminding him all the things I did, Saul. I mean, David, for you. And it says, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. He's saying if that had been a too little, he would have gave him more. So God's not excusing him out of none of it. You know, but then he tells him the judgment he's going to have. So David goes and, and, and puts on the sackcloth, the ashes, and prays for the son. Just maybe possible God may have mercy. You know? He still had enough. He had to accept what he had done. And God held him accountable. You know, he talked to the young lady, letting him know that she was young and she, and she didn't. You, I gave you more. He was the king of Israel. He judged the people. He would, he would, according to God's word, judge them rightfully by the word. So he didn't, it's like he didn't have lack of knowledge of God's statutes. You know, when uh, he could have killed Saul, he knew not to touch the anointed of God. He wouldn't touch him. And even if he didn't, he didn't get those women, he could have got, if he'd have went to God, God would have gave him more. If he gave him the kingdom, gave him authority over Saul, delivered him out of from the bondage of Saul trying to kill him, could he not give him a woman he desired? And see, that latter part, God was telling him that. If this was not enough, this was little, if I gave you all of that, couldn't I give you more? And, you know, when his servant said, well, you didn't eat uh, when your son was living, why would he, eat? Why would he uh, not eat? His son's dead. He did the fasting. There's nothing more he could do. And, 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 and I, this part, you know, Seven, was it seven days he prayed? And on the seventh day he got up because the boy died. And we know seven is uh, significant to God. And I know that uh, there's times, you know, uh, David did what he could. But after he, he knew that it was completed, he got up. And that's significant, too. You know, having Amen. done all, you know, when God says stand, then when God says it's over, 
do you sit down? You, you, you move on because it's completed. You can pray for something. That doesn't mean it's going to be, it, it's going to be changed with what God says. No, God said that boy was going to die. Mm. It didn't change the events. You'll hear to God's people, a lot of times God's people have been taught this. Well, you can pray and it's going to change the circumstances. There's some things you can pray all day long. God is, going, is allowing it to happen. It's already be predestinated and it will not change. Mm. But accepting the will of God and moving on. Amen. Amen. So for all of those that have been teaching out there that um, that Sheba seduced um, David, I think it's clearly written in the word of God how the Lord perceived it. Um, Sorry, Sister Jacqueline, please share your thoughts um, on what we've been reading in um, 1 Samuel and what we've been reading about our King David and Bathsheba. Go ahead. Um, very, very um, um, popular topic in the Bible, and I'm glad that you just um, gave that disclaimer a moment ago about um, Bathsheba this, um, uh, seducing uh, King David because, um, um, unfortunately, you I know I've heard that erroneously be um, shared in the body of Christ. And it was truly, it was David, David sinned against God and he took it to um, a grave level in his sin, trying to cover up, you know, just like um, there's an old saying, they said lies beget lies and sin beget sin because you find yourself in one thing and then before you know it, the little thing has become and it's escalated and it's become something else. And though God is, is merciful and he's gracious, and kind and loving and all of that, God also has a wrath. And there are some things that when he says, when he gives his um, ruling on it, it is as such. Although we can pray and um, sometimes the the hand of God can move because um, when you think back with Moses and um, and Sodom and Gomorrah and the children of Israel, not Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm sorry, but the children of Israel when God wanted to, um, uh, Moses, God, God was appealing. Moses was appealing to God to save the save the, the children of Israel, and God was um, was going to destroy the entire city. And if you can find, you know, so we can pray to God. And I'm just um, summing that mm-hmm. up. He, we can pray to God and ask Him to do things for us. And but ultimately, when God has decided to do something, He's going to His will is going to be done. Like there is there are consequences for your actions of sin. You know, and um, he didn't take David's life. He didn't kill him, you know, which he could have because that at, at that time the law was for adultery and and and, um, and murder. You could actually be put to death. So David, so God spared his life, but never the nevertheless the consequences for his actions still remain. You know, the sword stayed in his house. You know, David's David's household was was horrible. You know, we you can read on and find out about his children. They were a mess, you know, they, they didn't have any love for one another. And all of that stems from David's sin and his, his, the wrong that he did 
unto God. So you really got to be mindful, you know, in the, the, the actions that, that people take, the choices that they make, because the sin has repercussions down the line. Like I know the scripture has taught, spoken about the sins of the father, you know, that they'll visit you generations and generations down the line, and you wonder why things happen. You know, those are, those are your generational curses that things mm-hmm. have happened prior to you even coming on the scene. You're, you're having to deal with some of the sins of your forefathers that had that that went before you, so it, it's important that we not sin against God, and that we really, um, you know, the, that's the word says, hide the word in our heart, so we won't sin against God. Mm-hmm. So you got to the word says, and and in doing what it, you have to do what it says. You can't just be hearers of the word; you have to be a doer of the word also, or there are going to be consequences for your actions, and you must know that. And even though God and He's got mercy. But he also has a wrath, and he will execute his wrath when he seems fit, and there's nothing that you can do about it. So we all be thinking twice about our actions, you know, anything that you do, any decisions. Sometimes you make decisions and you don't seek the Lord first because we get sometimes going that we can do things in and of ourselves, but it's just so important mm-hmm. to always pray. The Bible says men ought to always um, pray, not faint. We've got to always pray and ask God for his hand and his direction in our because without that we you tend to make a mistake. You you can you can make a mistake, you know, because not everybody is evil. Not everybody um, you know, um, doesn't have a God consciousness in some of the, the mistakes and things that they make, but you can get pulled away, like the Bible says, from the lust of your own flesh. If you're not careful to guard your, your heart, your your ear gates, your eye gates and and the things that, you know, we're paying, um, giving our attention to, we have to be careful because that stuff gets into you, into your spirit and you wind up before you know it, you're acting upon those things that have, you have awakened because you've watched something or listened to something or you, you know, paying attention to it. So we are, we have to really guard our senses so that we don't find ourselves being picked off and pulled off by the things of the enemy. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. That's good. And and you know another thing about this that we also want to be conscious of is to understand what is sin. David didn't uh, recognize his sin immediately until the Word came forth. So we need the Word of God to be able to recognize when we are in sin. But we don't want to. We want. We don't want to stay here so long. Like I said, because Bathsheba is all over the Bible, and and we want to pick up some of these other things that happened um, when Bathsheba was uh, under the reign of David, King David, and, and his wife. Um, and, and remember that when I was reading and, uh, and um, sorry, uh, I've moved around here, in Second Samuel chapter 12 when I was reading, it says in verse 24, And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he, and he called his name Solomon. But see, it said he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him, and he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called him his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Okay, the name Jedediah means uh, beloved of uh, Yahoo, Yahowah, beloved of Yehovah. Um, so 
God has given Solomon a different name uh, from what David named him. And and then we go on um, in in the Holy Bible, and we know that the child that Bathsheba uh, had, he becomes uh, king later on um, after David's reign. And not only that, he asked the Lord for wisdom. I mean, he asked the Lord for understanding, and God gave him wisdom. And also, too, uh, there was a time when Nathan visited Bathsheba later on in the Bible, and we can go to First uh, Kings uh, chapter one eleven. Um, we can start there. First Kings chapter one um, verse eleven. Uh, we can start here where um, I'm going to skip around a little. Well, let me just. I want to skip around a little bit because there's a whole lot. Wherefore, it's saying you really can't, you have to have the story. So I'm just going to read uh, from verse 1 quickly. Now, King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Therefore, his servants said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord the king a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they sought a fair damsel there throughout all the coast of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair, and cherished the king, and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggis, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared his chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. His father had not displeased had not displeased him at any time in saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was very good a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of uh, Jer- Jeriah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed Adonijah. Helped. Oh, I'm sorry. And they following Adonijah helped him. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiadiah, and Jehoiada. I'm sorry. And Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei and Rai, the mighty men, with which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat and cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, which is in Rogel, and called all his brethren, the king's son, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benaniah, the mighty man, and Solomon his brother, he called not. Wherefore, Nathan spoke unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard that Adonijah, the son of Higgins, doth reign, and David our Lord knoweth, knoweth it not? Now, therefore, come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel, that thou mayest save thine own life and the, the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get in unto King David, Say unto him, Is not thou 
My Lord, O King, swear unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon the son shall thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my upon my throne. Why then doth Adonai reign? Behold, will thou yet take us there with uh, the king? I also will come in after thee and confirm thy words. And Bathsheba went in unto the king and unto his chamber, and the king was very old and Abishag. The Shunammite ministered unto the king, and Bathsheba bowed and did obeyance unto the king. And the king said, What wouldest thou? And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth. And now, my lord the king, thou knowest it not. And he has slain oxen and battle, I mean, fat cattle, and ooh, I came up with a new name there, fattle. Fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and has called all the sons of the king, and Abiathar, Abiathar the priest, and Joab, the captain of his host, but Solomon, thy servant, hath he not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel upon thee, and thou shouldest tell them, who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? So um, we have uh, Bathsheba playing a role here again to bring things into order, the order in which uh, Nathan has given her counsel by the Lord, and we're skipping down to 28. Then King David answered and said, Call me Bathsheba, and she shall. Uh, she came unto the king's presence and stood before the king, and the king swore and said, As the Lord liveth, thou hast redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swear unto thee by the God, Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly Solomon, thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon the, my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reverence unto the king and said, Let my lord, King David, live forever. And King David said, Call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benani the son of Joadiah. And they came before the king and the king also, so he implements Solomon is king, but we can see where Bathsheba also played a role there. Um, Minister um, Belinda, we're getting close to the end point, so let us keep our uh, points low. I know that it's hard to do that, considering that the Holy Ghost will give us uh, unction. Um, But, you know, of course, by all means, be led by the Holy Spirit, but let's also think about time. We are at the point okay. of twelve eleven now. Um, Minister Belinda, please share your thoughts on this. Well, uh, it pays to listen to what God says, and if God gives a a, a alignment of order, you know she knew the order that Solomon was supposed to be the king. Now somebody else was trying to get out of order, but. Anytime God has a plan, he's always going to let you know, if you have an ear to hear, what the enemy's trying to do. So this man informs her what's going on. She takes it to the king, and then he appoints his son. It's corrected. 
And that's yeah. all I got to say. You know, God corrects his plan. I mean, there's no one that can detour the plan of God. But it's when allowing God to be God. It's when we try to take care of it. You know, she heard it. She knew what the what God had said, and so she took it to the king and let David be aware. But you know, that was part of that prophecy that Naaman said that this would, this stuff would happen because of what he did before. So here it starts. Mm-hmm. You know, that sword that was placed on his family. Mm-hmm. But even though. That was God still works in the midst of that too. Amen. So let's um okay, uh Minister Gloria, please share your thoughts on that. What we just uh, read. Yeah, there's there's a lot there was a lot read in, in that and uh, there's a lot that we need to uh kind of um just iron out a little bit here. I I I wanted to say, you know, when when uh, David sinned it set into motion a lot of things in his household because literally, literally he had broken uh, the law of God. He had broken the law of, uh, uh, you know, he, he murdered, and that's a, a broken law. And um, he had also committed adultery, which was, again, uh, one, of the, one of the laws that they would not commit adultery. And in terms of covenant, you should not covet you know, your neighbor's wife, literally. He, that, that's what he literally did. And so because of the breaking of the law, it set a lot of things in motion in his own household. Literally, it, it set things out of order. Uh, and so now throughout his lifetime, he would see the consequences of these sins, where his, his own daughter, Tamar, was raped by one of her own brothers. And two of his sons were murdered. Um, and also one of his sons, Absalom, would uh, literally uh, sleep with his concubines and uh, could commit uh, uh, covetousness also. So we see the playing out of uh, the consequences of, of this uh, these sins uh, where David had uh, mm-hmm. committed. And but what so, about... Thoughts about what about your thoughts about Bathsheba's role in the institution of Solomon coming into reign? Well, that's the thing. Um, there is mm-hmm. uh, a breaking of peace with God, and so we have this political warfare going on in the family. Literally, it's a family of power, and any one of the sons. Or want to be king. I mean, we saw a number of them as they, uh, you know, went against David, Absalom in particular, when he went and went against David uh, for the kingship. And now there's this another son, uh, Abinajah, is coming up, and now he wants to take it, the the kingship. And so there's no peace. Um, but there was something in the name of uh, David. You know, David was the beloved of God. And now this son, Solomon, is the beloved of God. And that was an indication that Solomon had the anointing for, uh, to become king, but also mm-hmm. that David himself had made an oath to Bathsheba. And in those days, the spoken oath, especially from a king, meant a lot. And so the, his son, Abinajah, is moving, 
trying to take just take the kingdom while David is ill and he's frail. Uh, but Bathsheba is the one to whom it was given the oath by David and to whom was given this son by God, and God had put an anointing on the son, and he indicated it by naming him Jedidiah, which was the same name that God had given to David, the beloved. That's what Jedidiah meant, the beloved. And so really Bathsheba, because this little son Solomon is yet young, she needs to step up and speak. Uh, and also because she she is in the midst of this family of power, uh, so they 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 are asserted and they're trying to take it. And it, she's a woman in the midst of powerful men, uh, commanders and the, the 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 princes who want to just go ahead and take it. And so she's put in this role where she is the one needing to defend the rightful heir. Uh, so it's interesting that she does speak up, and she, she reminds the king of this oath that he made to her. Uh, and, and on the strength of that oath, um, and what is uh, the significance of it, is uh, how, she will, how she goes forward to defend uh, the kingship of her son Solomon. Amen. Amen. And and also let's take note that uh, she listened to the voice of God. She heard, she was able to hear uh, from the prophet Nathan um, and take that counsel and apply it accordingly um, to bring it into God's sovereign will of what the Lord wanted in the earth, which is very important. Um, that was a kingdom mandate uh, that had to be established for the rest of the um, will of God to be fulfilled in the earth. So it was coming forth. Now, because um, we know that um, there were uh, people within the lineage that were coming through that they were ordained for a specific time and a season and a reason according to God's sovereign will. Um, Sister Jacqueline, please share your thoughts on this. Um, I wanted to just um, interject with something you had just mentioned just a moment ago, which was very important, that Nathan um, advised Bathsheba because um, in, in David's particular um, family, you know, was very, very um, diverse. He did have the wives and many of um, children. So who, do you, who gets to say whose child is next on the throne? And so when um, the child, Adonijah, when he takes it upon himself, knowing that his father is sick, he's just going to step in and he's going to become king. He's probably um, familiar with the people, have been talking to them and seeing all of this happening because Solomon, I, I believe, is younger than he is. So he was thinking automatically that he would be the one to step into place. But because I, I think it, it, it became um, that Nathan stepped in because they were going to exclude the people of God in the leadership because he never even once reached out to Nathan and Nathan being the prophet, nor did he even reach out to the priest. So he wasn't looking to have a godly kingdom, so to speak. And when Nathan got wind of that, I believe he sought the Lord also and, and advised, and the Lord advised him to speak to Bathsheba who in turn went to the king and reminded him of what he had, the oath that he had sworn to her that Solomon was going to take over the temple. 
and I believe also, it, of course, it was the, the the will of God because she took the um the Nathan the prophet Nathan came and even shared with her and said that he said to her, um, wherefore when Nathan spake unto Bathsheba the mother of Solomon saying, how that's not hers. Um, now he goes further. He says now verse twelve. Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel. So God had already spoken to him, and he said, um, I'm going to pray that you will accept it because she had to accept God's counsel as well because she could have easily had said, you know, um, and we know she's not the most assertive woman. She has proven that because she just goes along and does accordingly, but she could have had some resistance, which was very important that she went and spoke to David and reminded him of what had what had transpired between the two of us so that David in his dying on his deathbed, because he's, he's near death at this moment, he had to stand up and make one last um, declaration of who was going to be king because he could have easily died on that bed. But I know I don't believe that the Lord was going to allow that to happen because he ultimately wanted his will to be done so that um, David was the one. The king is supposed to announce who is going to, you know, um, uh, follow him. So that was that was the the really critical point. Like you started, you mentioned that Bathsheba even she took the wise counsel of God. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord because there was a time that she missed the wise counsel of God. Amen. And I just Amen. want to point that out. Just looking at um, Bathsheba um, in First Kings chapter two, um, and this is after the death of David. Uh, David is no longer present. So now Solomon is sitting on the throne uh, of David, his father, and um, his kingdom was greatly established. I'm reading from verse 12 now. And then I'm reading in 13. And Adonijah, the son of Haggis, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So here's Adonijah again. He's trying to stir something up after Solomon has been installed because he he hasn't let go of what he was trying to initially do, and he and she said, "Comest thou peaceably?" And he said, "Peaceably." And he said, "Moreover, I have somewhat to say unto thee." And she said, "Say on." And he said, "Thou knowest that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. Howbeit that the kingdom is turned about." And it's become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. You see that? He knows that it's, it's his from the Lord, but he's saying that in the natural, in the physical, he should have had it. So in 16, and now I ask one petition of thy, deny me not. And she said unto him, say on. And he said, speak, I pray thee unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay that he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, to be my wife, to wife. And Bathsheba said, will I, well, I will speak for thee unto the king. So she didn't consult uh, with Nathan at that time. She didn't seek any of the priests. She just moved based on what uh, Adonijah said. In 19, Bathsheba therefore went unto the king Solomon to speak unto him for Adonijah, the king, rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat 
to be set for the king's mother. And she sat on his right hand, and then she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee, say me not nay. And the king said unto her, Ask on my mother, for I will not say uh, thee nay. And she said, Let uh, Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother to wife. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? As for him, the kingdom also, for he is mine elder brother, even for him and for Abiathar the priest and Joab the son of Zariah. Then uh, King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has spoken, have not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord liveth, which has established me and set me on the throne of David my father, who has made me an house, as he promised, Adonijah shall be shall be put to death this day, and King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Joada, and he fell upon him, and he died. And so, um, you know, the the rest of the acts were performed against uh, Abiathar and, uh, you know, the other ones that he called out as well. So, you know, one of the things that Bathsheba, we looking at Bathsheba um, as being strange, is that she did this last time. She listened to the voice in the physical and not in the spiritual. Um, she didn't take discernment when she went to the son, but the son Solomon, the beloved of God, was able to see. Uh, Minister Belinda, we want to keep it short because we want to also talk about. Um, Matthew 1, um, where she mentioned there. But please share your thoughts on that. You know, it's a lesson. Uh, When she listened to what God had said and went by the Spirit, then things prospered. (laughs) But you can get short-sighted when you allow yourself to become emotional, whether it's your child, you know, you perceive and you want to go through another source. It doesn't turn out well. And that didn't. You know, she had the inside at first, but then she allowed motions to get involved. <laughs> and that's all I got to say. It's important to follow God, not your emotions and his will. Amen. Um, Minister Gloria, please share your thoughts. Well, it's interesting. You know, she goes to um, to her son on behalf of the, this uh, other um, on behalf of the David's other son, Shani. And she she doesn't see really the scheme, but she does ask him, "Do you come peaceably?" Uh, you know, she she's aware now of this family that the family is a family who the sword will never leave them. It's a family of adversity. The adversity has been appointed to them spiritually, and so she's aware of this spiritual sword. And so she she will ask him, "Do you come peaceably?" I mean. He lies to her. He says yes, because really he's coming with a plot. And the plot is that he knows full well that the successor to the throne is entitled to the harem. And so he knows that the people would recognize him as king 
if he could get this uh, this young woman Abishag, who was the concubine of the former King David, and that would be a very significant. You know, it's a society where uh, there's a lot of significance in the symbols and rituals. And he knows that if he can get Abishag, the concubine, then the people would recognize him as the king. And so he's trying to um, trick um, Bathsheba here. But when Bathsheba goes to um, Solomon with this request, Solomon, who is the king, sees right through it. And he's able to um, throw it down, throw down the plot. But uh, she is uh, seeing spiritually certain things. I mean, she's learned from the experiences that she's been through, and she's grown in the Lord herself. Uh, so uh, it was interesting to me that she did ask him, do you come peaceably? Uh, and she did faithfully go to Solomon. She promised that she would, and she did. So uh, it was interesting, her role here. Okay. Um and Minister, I'm Sister Jacqueline. I'm going to make you a minister yet. <laughs> Please share your thoughts. <laughs> uh, as 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 far as that, um, it was um, interesting the fact that she listened. She she hearkened unto the voice of the Lord. You know when um, the prophet Nathan came to her, but not when Adonijah. Even though she told him, "Yeah, come peacefully," because the very act that he had done coming, you know, trying to take over the kingdom shows that, you know, he he um he can be somewhat um I wouldn't call him evil, but not so not so um fair, you know, someone who would play fairly, so to speak, for lack of a better word. And so she I believe she just wanted sort of to kind of like have peace, you know, so she went to her son because maybe she didn't want to like um have any continued commotion and animosity and stuff going on, thinking, like, how harmful could it be, you know, give the man a wife, you know, because she's not seeing it from the spiritual aspect of it all, you know. He wants he wants this particular woman for a wife, you know, what, what kind of harm could that do? But in essence, all the while, he's had some underlying, you know, um, motivation behind it all, and she didn't see it because she didn't seek the Lord to find out. She didn't go pray about it. She just went immediately to go speak to her son. And I believe it, again, because in just just trying to keep the peace, give the man a wife, I'll go talk to Solomon, fine. You know, she asked him to come in peace. So she's thinking that, you know, he's going to, you know, be a man of his word, but she should have um, kind of still had a raised eyebrow a little bit just to say, you know, this was the man who was about to take over the kingdom and overthrow it, and I would have been lost, you know, me and my son, because what would she have had after that had he taken over the kingdom? And it wasn't until Nathan came to her and told her, you know, um, what he had, what God had spoken to him for her to do so God's will be done. But thank God for Solomon, and he hadn't even yet um, – really um gotten the full wisdom of God and what it is that God had really wanted him to do, but he had he knew enough to know that this man here is plotting against me. So I'm just gonna settle it all and all those who I know are of evil, he just put them to death and just, you know, just did away with it. But sometimes as we know as God has said and he has done in times past, kill them all. Kill them all because they they seem to all wipe them out. Let's move forward. So he had enough sense to do that, but the the mother, her emotions 
would probably have rather to keep the peace. Amen. Yeah. But it also, I love the part that we need to take, uh, you know, be be very discerning and and go to the Lord to ask him what we have us to do and not move on our emotions. Because he clearly stated in 15, he said, and he said, thou knowest that the kingdom was mine and that all Israel set their faces on me, that I should reign. How be it that the kingdom is turned about and is become my brothers. And then here we go. It was his from the Lord. So he knows that it's his from the Lord. And she heard this from him. But then she goes to Solomon, she say, in 20, then she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee. Say me not nay. In other words, I pray thee, don't say no to me. Uh, answer me with back with the reply. So it tells us how, if we're not careful, how even someone that's close to us can be used in the wrong direction by, you know, something to take us out of the mandate, out of the kingdom-mandated order of God. Amen. Of the sovereignty of God. And why Amen. it's so important us to remain focused in uh, mm-hmm. the Lord's mission, his purpose in everything that we do so that we don't miss the thing. Because David lost the uh, momentum of what I told him in, um, <laughs> he was reading in Samuel, Second Samuel, the Lord is telling him, he says, haven't he built, I brought you to build up the walls of Jerusalem? It's like he had forgot about his mission. He took mm-hmm. his focus somewhere else. So uh, we have to remember what our mission is and keep it there and not get misaligned going off into the wrong direction. But when we're looking at the genealogy as we have been doing, as we've been in this series all along, we can see that um, the Lord still did not uh, favor the situation so much of David taking uh, on Uriah's wife because when we look at Matthew 1 in verse, um, I want to read from 6. And Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of had been, had been past tense, the wife of Uriah. So he did not say Bathsheba's name out plainly as as uh, it was mentioned before by Minister Jacqueline in prior um, in the prior series of parts that we had went over when we talked about uh, Tamar, we talked about Rahab, we talked about Ruth, um, and, and so now we're speaking about Bathsheba who played a role in the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, although that there were strange things that happened uh, in their life, in, in their lifetime, um, that brought them off into the marriage of the tribe of Judah, uh, they they were considered, would be considered strange by men, but in the eyes of God, they were used uh, as vessels to carry um uh, Fourth, the coming of our Lord and Savior, the word uh, being uh, um, planted by immaculate conception into Mary, which was in that lineage as she was uh, family to Joseph that she married. And so her being also in that lineage uh, of Joseph, 
and Joseph also being in the lineage of the coming of our Lord and Savior, they both played a role in that. Um, Minister Belinda, please uh, let's share our final thoughts about what we're talking about on Bathsheba. We want to open up the lines also to for uh, those that are on the line in case they have any prayer requests or they would like to share any insights as well. Okay, first, God has a plan and his will is the beginning and the end. Uh, Second, we need to line ourselves up with that will and seek God for the answers, you know, when an individual talks. Uh, Bathsheba should have went to God The man wasn't right And God will let you know what's not right And God is the peacekeeper When we try to keep peace In ourselves without God There's no peace Because mm-hmm. he is the peacemaker I've heard people say Well I was trying to keep peace But they didn't understand Unless it's by the spirit And by this word it's not going to be any peace. Amen. I had a man say, well, I try to keep peace, but his wife wanted him to do contrary to what God said, out of jealousy. And eventually, because of that 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 strong, hard, hard-heartedness, a stubborn head, they are now divorced. And he said to me, he said, Sister Blaine, I try to keep peace, and I found that I couldn't. And I said, brother, it was never yours to keep. It was for you to follow how God would say. And if somebody wants to be rebellious, who are you going to listen to, God or the rebellious spirit? You follow what God says, and God will keep the peace. Either he'll keep it together or it's going to be divided. Amen. Very good. The the word of God is so important, and you can't just get it from one one area. You have to go through the whole full Bible to get the fullness right. of what the and um, let's uh, minister Gloria. Please share your final thoughts on uh, what we've been speaking on. That Sheba, a woman of uh, that brought in the I, 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 mm-hmm. Go ahead. I do want to call her the woman of peace. I really do. Because, you know, in spite of all that she went through uh, in the midst of all these men, she tried to be obedient. I think even when she was uh, from the point where uh, David sinned, you know, she, I think, recognized that she was in the presence of the king. And uh, and in spite of the fact that all that... uh, it, it, the Bible doesn't say that she recognized that uh, David killed Uriah, but um, I don't think she was that naive. I think she knew she was a, a woman in a in a male society, a male-dominated society. She followed uh, uh, the orders of the king. She went to the palace when she was called. Uh, she married him when she was commanded to. She had his child. She continued uh, in this life that she was being uh, led in. And even right up until the end, you know, she was a woman of oath, and she understood uh, the sworn word. Uh, She understood um, the power of the king, and, and 
she continued to obey, even uh, to go to. She didn't fight with Adonisia. She said to him, do you come in peace? And then she went to her son, and she put it before him. And um, whether she understood what she was asking, maybe she knew that Solomon would see through it, and that he, but she let him make the final uh, uh, command. You know, she, she let him uh, say, have the final word. And so it all worked out for her because I think she was a woman of peace. Uh, per, perhaps the whole time she had God on her heart. And uh, I think that that led her through all of this uh, crisis in this family. She was, she was able to survive it all. And in the end, her son was king. So she had a husband who was a king. She had a son who was a king. Um, and she survived what many of uh, many uh, events where she could have been assassinated or killed because uh, this, this air was coming through her. The air was coming through her. And, and I think uh, it, it was obvious even in this story that she was uh, the favored woman, if you will, of King David. Okay. Well, um, okay. I don't know. The Bible says that the Lord saw her as a ewe lamb, which is someone who is just innocent, um, just didn't have too much of a knowledge base um, there because it said also, too, she was still, like, coming out of her, uh, away from her youth her, her with her family. She she wasn't even trained up to the point to even leave her family, but so when he brought her in according to the word of God. Um, but let's, uh, Minister Belinda, I mean, Gloria, I mean, uh, I'm calling you Minister Ken, Sister Jacqueline, please share uh, your final thoughts. We want to open up the lines and let some of the uh, listeners also be able to share their insights, and if they have any prayer requests, we can pray for them. Okay. Um, that's that's a, another time there where you you jump right on in to to say what is actually going on in my thoughts. So, yes, 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 because um, I I wanted to to share just the fact of how the Lord saw Bathsheba, which is which is what, what is most important when He um, referred to her as a lamb. She was a somewhat an innocent victim in all of this, you know. For, that she came in, you know, to, to be in the presence of the king. You know, she really had no control over what was happening to her, so to speak, and she was just kind of like just going along because the one thing that we know about um, sheep, sheep are really in a natural, sheep are not the brightest creatures. You know, they follow the shepherd. They go along wherever somebody is directing them to, and they need guidance. And, and she mm-hmm. is always pointed in a direction whether, you know, she really didn't have much of a choice. She was just kind of a go-along, get-along type of person. And we oftentimes find that in individuals, whether, you know, they, they, are, they know about things or they don't, they just some of them just have that mild, permissive spirit. And she was that kind of person. I think God just favored her because 
of knowing her innocence. You know, she found her way into the to the lineage of God. But I also want to touch on something that um, Minister Belinda has said, you know, when oftentimes when people want to keep the peace from a mother like that too, was always, you know, she'd rather not argue and fuss. Now, she could raise her voice, but when the, when the heat really turned up, you know, she would back down just to avoid, you know, real, real um, – a catastrophe in the family, so to speak, because sometimes you must, irregardless of, like Minister Belinda said, peace is not ours to keep. You know, I've always been of the person that sometimes you got to turn over some ground. You know, you got to turn over that fallow ground sometimes to get to some sort of peace that that you're looking to have because you can't just allow things to just lie down and, and take a dormant position, things that are not good, that somewhat sometimes they're poisonous, and they need to be rooted up and rooted out. And you that's why you got to pray, you got to hear from God, and you got to know what God is telling you to do concerning the situation because some things might need to be put to rest you know, silence yourself. That's like you can't always speak your mind all the time. You know, sometimes you got to mm-hmm. pray. You know, how do I proceed here? Because we can sometimes be, you know, very harsh with our words because words hurt. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you got to ask God, how do I proceed with this? Do I remain calm? Do I not say anything? Do I wait until the next day? Let me go pray on it and sleep on it before mm-hmm. I respond. Because you can't always, you know, you can't always say everything that you want to say, but you also, when God mm-hmm. says speak, and he says, crush a thing and wipe it out and kill it. You got to do just that. You have to do just that yeah. because God's wisdom is sovereign, and he knows better than we do that if you continue to let this here weed grow and you don't pull it up from the root, yeah. down the, you understand? So something you can't kill right from the root, right. you can't play around with them. So keeping mm-hmm. the peace is one thing, but you always got to be mindful and hear from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's Bless why he Lord. had them kill them all. Because, see, when God ordered that, to kill them all, they're killing the root. Because that next mm-hmm. generation could grow up, and it'll be worse than the other one. Amen. And it wow. come back to your household. Yeah. You know, so did God, mm-hmm. was God evil when he said that? No. Mm-mm. You go through the Old Testament. Yeah. No. No, we can never no. say that the and the man, uh, you know, they always have an opinion. Well, I should be the king. No, God didn't point you. He pointed Solomon. Amen. And you saying, he's saying he knows he he know uh, that the Lord appointed it, though. That's the main thing. He's saying that he knows that the Lord appointed it. So now you're trying to come yeah. up against the Lord? <laughs> so the Lord. And did that prosper? No. Amen. Amen. I just we, want to say this is a conversation we could go on forever. But let's open yeah. up the line and let's give an opportunity for the guests to uh, share any insights that you have. And also, too, if you have any prayer requests, please bring them out this, at this time. You don't have to. State your name, but if, at least if you tell us where you're calling from, we would love that. Uh, please, the lines are open now uh, to the callers. Hello, listeners. Uh, the lines are open. If you have anything you would like to say now, please feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you. Hello, I'm calling from 
Texas. Hello. Hello, my name is Minister Lita, and I was listening. And that it seems that King David have all the authority, and it also seemed like Bathsheba was not in a place where she could overthrow him. Uh, she was like a lot. Of everybody has said is that she came out of her family. She was of a youth uh, innocence, and she didn't know the the way far as how to protect herself, how to you know. Uh, Moved this away. She had to be obedient because he was king, and I felt like he was a self-will run riot. He was uh, he was pushing himself where he felt he had the authority. He was going to push himself where he could use that authority and push himself. Kind of like to me, I felt like he pushed himself on her, and he was self-will run riot. Uh, he was uh, fleshly, but also he was rebelling. Because he wanted his way, and he didn't care about who else was involved. He didn't care that he was. She was married to a. Uh, she was married. He didn't care about her rights at all. He just wanted his way, and he pushed. To me, he pushed himself off on her. So um, that's what I'm getting, and that, uh, you know, that's like a. Uh, just because he was an authority figure, she was being obedient. She submitted under that. But he was coming across as a uh, rebellious authority. So um, I've been under some authorities that is my way or the highway, and either you submit or you're going to be fired. So it's you have to kind of take your middle ground there and be safe and just submit under that, even though you don't approve of it or anything. Your everything in your being tells you no, 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 but. Because they are authority figure, you have to submit, even though if you don't agree. Even if you did come out of a, mm-hmm. a family mm-hmm. and innocent or whatever, your your own body language tells you there's something wrong. So mm-hmm. she just had to submit, even though she knew he was king. She had to submit. He didn't. To me, he was very um, uh, arrogantly pushed himself off of her. That's what it sounds like to me. It doesn't sound like he was. Uh, he really didn't care about. She was married. He didn't care about her at all. He just used that to his advantage. And that's what, to me, a lot of uh, leaders, untrained leaders, like I I worked for the post office, so there was a lot of untrained leaders. They would come in and just push their, uh, just because they were an authority figure, that name or that title, caused them to believe that it was okay to push off mm-hmm. their their rebellions mm-hmm. or their arrogance onto you because they had that they had that title. So um, wow. that's what I got. Wow, wow. that's that's, that's some I, good stuff, and it's actually a real um, long uh, conversation that can come out of that because you know while you're talking, it's like I can feel it, and I'm like I'm sure that there's a whole lot of people out there. That would hear this would be able to feel what you're talking about that um not necessarily is it a sexual uh, situation but it could be um any type of situation where you're forced to do something that you know absolutely that is not right but we we want to come to a solution on how to say that don't do it if you know it's not right just simply don't do it walk away God, God yeah. will honor you more than He will 
you remaining in that situation or do something about it. Don't take it because you're not called and ordained to do that. We're we're not uh, called and ordained to lie down and die uh, physically, uh, spiritually, or emotionally. Um, we're not. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be empowered and equipped by the grace of the living God. So it's a time for the body of Christ to stand firm and face the Lord and and know your place uh, by talking to Him and communicating with Him on a regular basis. Um, we do still have the lines open, and we thank you for sharing, um, Minister Letha. Is there anyone else out there that have anything you would like to say at this time? Okay, well, we thank the Lord. We want to move on because we want to have some time to pray for the body of Christ. Uh, there may be many people out there that is experiencing or have experiencing experienced what Bathsheba went through or um and it could be a man or a female that may have may have experienced it and um we want to pray for you right now. We want to also let you know that there is a way of coming out of this and it is through Jesus Christ. We are not the, necessarily the answer, but he may use uh someone as a vessel as he did with Nathan proper perspective. So, Lord, the Lord have ministering the angels. The Lord does have uh, the prophetic prophets out there, the apostles, the uh, teachers, the evangelists. He, he does have uh, those out there that have those gifts. Um, we also know that he speaks to us himself when we allow him in and allow him to work in us. But we want to pray for the body of Christ um, because at listening to Minister uh, Lisa's uh situation uh, or, you know, we can look at this from different angles. There's many people that are oppressed um, into doing things that we know that are not right in the eyes of God. And as uh, Sister Jacqueline and Minister Belinda said so rightly, you know, we want to have peace, but um, do we allow uh, a circumstance to overrule what is right in the eyes of God? No, we can't do that because we want to be honorable and remain under the sovereign will of God because he will protect and shield us through all things. He will be the one that's going to keep us in all things. So we have to know who is our real source in this matter. Minister Belinda, can we pray for the body of Christ? Yes, ma'am. Father, we pray, God, in Jesus' name, believe in all things according to your scripture, God. We pray, God, for the body of Christ. Lord, for every individual according to thy needs, God, their needs according to thy riches and thy glory, God. We pray thy divine will be over them, Lord, and that you will give them understanding and wisdom, God. Over every situation, God, you have an answer. There's nothing that can go on in their life that there isn't an answer in that Bible. Father, you said that all of it was put under the feet of Jesus. God, I pray for those that may be in, Lord, adultery situations. That, God, you will talk to them, and, Lord, you give them a way out. They can come out. I pray for those, God, that are in abusive situations and think that this is your will, God. It's not. 
Father, but there is a way of escape through the Spirit of God. And that, Lord, I set angels, Lord, Father, out amongst your people, warn angels, God. I curse the very root of every form of bondage, Lord, of every form of sin, God, is holding your people in captivity, Father. But God, you have a solution. And I ask God that you give them dreams and visions with understanding, Lord, that they'll know what to do. In Jesus' name, Lord Father. Lord, lift the veil off of their eyes so they can see God. There is no hopelessness in you, God. The answer is through you and your word, Father. Lord, after having given at the Abosad in the name of Jesus, God, I pray that your body, Lord, will come to the full understanding and the full wisdom and knowledge of your word, God. Well, Lord, you said, learn of me, for my yoke is easy. Lord, allow them to come in that place that they can freely open up their hearts, minds, souls, and bodies to understand, God, the more they learn of you, the greater their freedom will be. They are the be cool, the greater light there will be in their lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. And God, we believe, God, as we pray that you will answer, God, and you will bring forth, for God, you are the Alpha and the Omega. And your word has life in it, God. It has power in it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Uh, hallelujah. So we thank everyone for listening in, and we ask uh, that you join us again next week at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Kingdom Mandate. And please uh, listen in to our other programs. You can listen in via iTunes or you can come to Blog Talk Radio uh, forward slash Kingdom Empowerment, Inc. God bless you all, and may the grace of God be with you. May he empower and equip you for the days of the king.